Hello, Redeemed Church family. It's me, your friend, Eddie Johnson. I am so excited to be sharing this Resurrection Sunday message with you all. Hey, uh, we are in Lakes High School, or we were at Lakes High School, depending on when you're watching this, uh, this weekend. And I just have to say, I am a proud Lakes High School, Lakes Lancer alumni, class of 2000. I, I was so nostalgic as I was just thinking about the fact that we were meeting for Resurrection Sunday as a church at Lakes High School, I dug up this gem, my senior year school ID, my senior year ASB card. That's me in all my lesser uh, tonnage, weightage, glory, um, and all that good stuff. Shout out to all the Lancers out there. If you're a Lancer alumni, man, share this, like this, comment, thumbs up, whatever, all that good stuff. If you're not a Lancer alumni, you should do that as well. But hey, to all my Lancer alumni, once a Lancer, always a Lancer. Let's dive into this. Uh, today, the title of today's message, if you're going to give it a title, I don't always give stuff a title, but, but every once in a while it's fun to. It is called Resurrection Benefits or Benefits of the Resurrection, because uh, that's what today is. Uh, uh, we as a church have been emphasizing the fact that it's Resurrection Sunday. People call it Easter, there's nothing wrong with that, but we want to remind everyone that this is this day that we celebrate is about the resurrection of Jesus Christ coming from the grave. And, and quite frankly, we started the celebration a week prior to this on Palm Sunday. It's the beginning of Holy Week and Palm Sunday all the way through Resurrection Sunday. That one week, every time I look at the stories of the gospel accounts, I just sit back and realize that the week of Holy Week is a microcosm of Jesus's life in ministry. Do you ever notice that? Okay. It starts where he's celebrated, right? How many times do you read the scripture where he's celebrated, he's adored, and he's loved? Then he's hated, right? You see that constantly in scripture. He's betrayed, right? Uh, specifically by Judas, but all throughout his entire ministry, people didn't trust him or they were kind of trying to catch him, catch him slipping, all kinds of stuff. He was crucified and then he rose from the grave. What a beautiful picture Holy Week is of Jesus' life and ministry and his relationship with his people, his disciples, those that loved him and followed him. And, and here's the crazy part about the three years uh, Jesus did ministry. He had his 12 disciples and hundreds of others that were close followers of his. And throughout the entire three years, he was constantly sowing seed of what was going to happen this week. What was going to happen on this day, Resurrection Sunday? But still, somehow his disciples fully didn't grasp it. He was constantly dropping hints. I'm going to tear down the temple and raise it up. I, I choose to lay my life down. No one can take my life from me. He was constantly sowing seed and letting people know what was going on. And no one fully got it. No one fully got it. So much the fact that when Jesus was crucified and in the tomb, and then rose on Resurrection Sunday, the disciples were not fully prepared for the realities of the resurrection. Let me say it again. The disciples, the people who rode with him, who, who, who rode with him, who followed him for three whole years, were not prepared for the realities of the resurrection, even though Jesus had been constantly referring to and talking about it. A matter of fact, all four gospel accounts uh, tell us and give us insight to the fact that the disciples, the 12 and the many others that followed Jesus, they, they were kind of on the fence. Matthew 28, 
It says after Jesus rose in Matthew 28, it says the 11 disciples went to Galilee and they went to the mountain where they saw Jesus, uh, where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But it says some of them doubted. They're worshiping him and some of them doubted. In Mark 16, it says when the women approached uh, the tomb and they came back to tell the disciples, when the disciples heard that Jesus was alive and that the woman had seen him, they did not believe. That's in Mark. In Luke, it says it again. It says that the women or the, the disciples thought the women's words sounded like nonsense. Nonsense. And then Jesus in Mark 24 he says these words, verses 22 to 27. Uh, he says, then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it was as the women said it was, but they did not see Jesus. And this is what Jesus says. He said to them, Jesus said, how foolish you are and how slow you are to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter into his glory? So Jesus, when he shows back up, he just reminds him, he goes, how foolish you've been. I've been laying the groundwork for this. The, the, the Old Testament prophets have been laying the groundwork for this all the way to, the po to this point right now in history. And in John chapter 20, we get one specific disciple, disciple mentioned by name, a guy who is now affectionately known as Doubting Thomas. He is the one. And in John chapter 20, he said, I will not believe unless I touch, right, the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hands at his side where he was pierced. I will not believe. A week later, this is the NIV. It says a week later, his disciples were all in the house together and Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came among them and stood. I mean, straight like Matrix style, just, shoom, just showing up. Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your fingers here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put your hand to my side. Stop doubting and believe. Did you catch that? Four gospel accounts, not just of the resurrection, but four gospel accounts of the fact that those who followed Jesus the closest did not believe. They were not prepared for the realities of the resurrection. Man, can I tell you something, church? I think that's true for us today. We're not always prepared for the realities of the resurrection. But, but even more than that, can I tell you something? Can I tell you what I think the reality of the resurrection is? As I was reading through this, and as I was praying and processing, uh, preparing this message on this Sunday, this amazing resurrection Sunday, I, something stood out to me. When Jesus is risen, when he comes back from his death, the first thing that he does, or one of the first things he does when he comes back is that he goes and finds his people, right? Whether it's the women, whether it's the men walking on the road to Emmaus, whether it's disciples locked in a room, Jesus makes a point after three years of ministry, after 33 years of life, after three days in the tomb, and as he rose, as he comes back, he makes sure to go to his people or after the resurrection to let them know, I'm back, I'm here, I ain't going nowhere, right? As I was processing this, I was thinking, I was praying, and it just jumped out off the page to me. And I think that is the true reality of the resurrection, is that the fact that Jesus is with us, I kind of coined this phrase, I've heard other people say it, but I'm taking credit for it today. The reality of the resurrection is that we have the withness 
of Jesus. Let me say that again. The reality, the over, to me, the overwhelming reality of the resurrection is that now we have the witness of Jesus. He is right there with us. Nothing could interrupt or interfere with the relationship that he and I have, that he and you have, that he has with us, that he has with his disciples. I had a pastor friend for years that would always say these words. He would say, Eddie, this was his testimony. He would say, Eddie, I'm never the same because now I'm never alone. That's the witness of Jesus. He's right there, no interruption, nothing in between you and him. I think the apostle Paul had a similar idea when he wrote these words in Romans 8. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. He gave him up for us all. One of the most beautiful things about the gospel message, it's a message universal for all people, all times, all spaces, all creeds, all colors, all languages. He will not all, okay, he gave his son up for all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who may bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. And then he, who, uh, excuse me, it's God who justifies. Who then is the one who can condemn? No one. Listen to these words right here. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life. Let me say that again. Christ Jesus who died. More than that was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, shall persecution or famine, shall nakedness or COVID, hello, shall danger or sword, as it is written, for, you, for your sake we face death all day long. We were considered as sheep to slaughter. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors for him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demon, nor mask. Wait, no, wait, wait, that's not in there. Nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in who? Christ Jesus, our Lord. The greatest, in my opinion, the greatest reality of the resurrection is that Jesus is forever with us. He has proven he, is, he has been appointed. He has been anointed. He is the one that has conquered sin, death, and the grave. And because he's done that, he's supreme over all things. He, there is no interruption, no interference between our relationship and, and, and between our relationship with him. I don't think the disciples fully grasp the reality of the resurrection in church. If I'm being honest today, I still don't think we fully grasp the reality of the resurrection. So we got that. That's point number one, so to speak. The fact that the reaction, resurrection is real. Can I tell you something, church? Whether you believe or don't believe, that doesn't change the reality of the resurrection. I was listening to a podcast this week, and it's one of my favorite podcasts. And the guy on the podcast is not a believer. He kind of talks about sports and culture and, and life and politics. He, he talks about a bunch of different things. And this week he did a mailbag where he, he let people ask him whatever questions he wanted. And he, he got a question about religion. And he said, I just don't believe it, it, it solves any problems. I don't think it deals with real life. I don't think it's, it, it's very important at all. And my heart broke 
because man, I feel like so many people, and I don't just mean unbelievers, I think so many believers, we don't fully grasp the reality of the resurrection. Can I tell you something? If I'm being super honest, I, quite frankly, I think many of us, I, I see it all the time, many of us uh, don't fully embrace what God is trying to do. And, and, and and I'm so glad you're watching this video. I'm so glad if you came to Redeemed Church uh, on, on Sunday morning at Lakes High School for Resurrection Sunday. But if you're the type of believer who only comes to church one day a year, two days a year, if you're the type of person who when the plate passes by only drops 20 bucks, it's not about money, but you just kind of do your due diligence. You say, oh, I came, let me just throw this in here. Or if you're the type of person that you, all you do is jump online and, and listen to that one sermon that one time, uh, you're a person, if I'm, I'm just calling it out, I'm just telling this, you're someone who you don't understand the reality of the resurrection. Jesus wants to have a relationship with you, be intimate with you, walk with you, talk with you, get to know you, and just not, and not just you, but with all of us. He wants a family. He wants disciples. He wants a relationship. The, re the reality of the resurrection is true if you believe or not. But can I tell you what happens if you do believe? You don't just get the reality of the resurrection. You get the benefits of the resurrection. And this comes to the part of the story that we're really diving in, this part of the message that we're diving in today. The realities of the resurrection are true, whether you believe or not. But if you believe, you've got to do more than just do the one day a year thing, more than just the I'm going to tip God thing, more than just the I'm kind of in, kind of out thing. If you believe the reality of the resurrection, it opens you up to the benefits of the resurrection. Um, I got this card here that is my insurance card or my benefits card, right? And on this card, it says, if you were to go into great detail and look up my, my uh, file, it would say it covers Edward Anthony Johnson. And it also covers Kendra Elizabeth Johnson. And recently, many of you know this, we just gave birth to a beautiful little girl named Camille Elizabeth Johnson. I had to fill out some paperwork, and when I filled out the paperwork, I wrote, I checked the box and said, I want coverage for myself, I want coverage for Kendra, and I want coverage for my our plus one, Camille. All right? And any parent out there knows, I'm a new parent and I'm learning these things, but every parent out there knows that if kids do anything, the biggest thing they do is cost you money. Okay? All right? Can I get an amen? Right? And they cost you money from day one. We recently got the bill in the mail before insurance kicks in of how much it would cost to give birth to Camille, and we don't need to talk about that number. Okay? Thank you, God, for insurance. All right? But here's the reality of the benefits that I have. Here's the reality of the benefits that I have is this, is that Kendra and Camille don't have to do a single thing to receive the benefits except to be connected to me. Let me say it again. Kendra and Camille don't have to do a single thing to receive these benefits except being connected to me. The same thing is true about Jesus and the resurrection. Church, the reality of the resurrection is true whether you believe or not, but if you want the benefits, you've got to believe and you've got to be connected to the source. The Apostle Paul uh, dives into a lot of resurrection theology, right? A lot of theology about who Jesus is, his life, his death, his resurrection. He dives into what the prophets said. He dives into what the realities of the modern church back then were going through. And in Corinthians chapter 15, the entire chapter is amazing, but he highlights specifically 
the realities of the resurrection and the benefits of the resurrection. And quite frankly, he says, this is my gospel message. He just says it outright. He says, this is my message. Let's pick up in verse three in Corinthians 15. For what I have received, I pass on to you as of first importance. First importance, Christ died for our sins according to scriptures, was buried and then raised on the third day according to the scriptures and appeared to Cephas and then to the 12. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Most of the 500 plus that saw Jesus were still alive when Paul was writing these words. Then he appeared to James and then to the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me as if I was abnormally born. In other words, Paul said he appeared to the apostles and then to me as if I should have been a part of that first wave of people. We'll skip down to verse 14. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And also is your faith. More than that, we are found to bear false witness about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him if in fact, excuse me, we, we testify about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised, for if the dead are not raised and Christ has not been raised either, and if Christ has not been raised from the, the dead, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. So Paul's breaking down here. Hey, the resurrection is real. And if it wasn't real, our preaching is useless. And if it wasn't real, the fact that we're still stuck in our sins is a reality. But it's real. And those are the benefits, the fact that once you believe and you understand, you unlock the secrets, the benefits of it. Paul goes on to unlock this, unpack this a little bit more in Romans chapter 4. Romans 4, verse 20, yet he, Abraham, did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave God glory, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised. That is why it was accredited to him as righteousness. Abraham fully believed that God would do what he promised, and his faith was accredited to him as righteousness. The word said he was accredited to him as righteousness were written not for him alone, but for all of us to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. What does all that mean? Paul is saying in Corinthians and in Romans that the realities of the resurrection are true. It's just fact. We've got the resume. We've got the timeline. We've got the notes. We've got the memos. We've got the information. The FBI did the investigation and proved it to be true. Now that we know it's true, and our preaching is not useless. It's powerful. Our sins have been forgiven. You've got to believe in what he has promised, what God has promised for you. And you can believe what he's promised for you because Christ raised from the dead. Christ's resurrection is the stamp of approval saying that all of God's promises are a yes and amen. As a redeem staff and teaching team, we got together recently and we got to talking what are some of the benefits of the resurrection that we can experience today in a tangible way how do we engage with the resurrection today and, and there's probably a, a greater list that we could come up with but we came up with a couple of things we want to leave you with at the end of this as we close out this message a few thoughts on what the benefits of the resurrection are 
Benefit number one that we came up with as a church that we want you to know is one of the benefits are real relationships. Romans 7 verse 4, So my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ that you might belong to one another and to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit for our God. Did you catch that? We're dead to our sins, and then we are raised to be one with each other in him, one big happy family. There's something about the, 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 when, when the, the stamp of approval that God puts on Christ Jesus our Lord when he resurrects from the grave, that Jesus is with and that says, I got to be with my people. We've got to be one. We've got to be together. I think it's beautiful, the fact that every part of remembering and celebrating the life and death and resurrection of Jesus always brings us always always brings us back together in things like communion in things like baptism in things like worship and prayer the idea of understanding the benefits of the resurrection always causes us to come back together second benefit we came up with as a team as we said, there's a refreshing, there's a breath of fresh air, there's, there's a, an encouragement, there is, a, there is an unction and a moving of the Holy Spirit that just brings you joy and peace and refreshing when you understand and believe the benefits of the resurrection. Colossians 3 says, since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above and not just on earthly things, for you died and your old life is now hidden with Christ Jesus. This idea that believing and understanding and laying hold of the benefits of the resurrection brings a breath of life and fresh air to us. Not only that, not only does it give real relationships as one of the benefits and brings a refreshing, but there's redeeming power there's real redeeming power. There's, the resurrection is proof that God and Jesus Christ is supreme over all things. Philippians chapter 3 says, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his suffering and becoming like him in death. This idea, Paul once again writes, I understand that if I suffer with him and I, and, and, and I, and I died in my flesh with him, I will be raised to life with him. The prophet Hosea said these words that have been quoted in the New Testament, and it's a picture of Jesus. He says, oh, death, where is your sting? I will redeem my people. Or excuse me, oh, excuse me, I'll say it again. I will redeem them from death. Oh, death, where is your sting? Are your plagues? Oh, grave, where is your destruction? The idea that when we engage, when we believe, when we understand not just the realities of the resurrection, but the benefits of the resurrection, there's a power that is imbued in us as believers. And point number four. First we had, there is real relationships, there's a refreshing, there's redeeming power, and then there's a promise of a reunion. Promise of a reunion. First Peter 1, 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5 says this, Praise be to God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. 
March 1st is a great day for me. My little girl, Camille Elizabeth, was born. And I remember on that Monday afternoon, holding her in my arms, I was overwhelmed with joy. But if I'm being honest with you, at the same time I'm holding her in her arms, I had uh, some conflicting feelings. Because the day before Camille was born, I found out that my grandfather, my dad's dad, uh, passed away. And if you know my story, so much of my story starts with the fact that my dad died when I was six years old. And now the day before my baby girl is born, my grandfather passed away. Two days prior to that, we celebrated the life of our friend and brother, Wes Wong. All right. If you've come to Redeemed Church any time in the last couple years, you've met Wes and you know Wes and Joanne. And if you haven't met them, you've probably eaten their food and you know how loving and how gracious and how awesome they are. And in that moment, while I'm holding my baby girl, mourning and celebrating the life of my grandfather and my brother Wes and celebrating this brand new life that I'm holding in my arms, I couldn't help but just to feel the overwhelming presence of the Lord in my heart, in my soul, in my mind, all over me. The reality that life is so precious and so fragile, but yet life is also so beautiful. And here's the reality that sunk in with me at that moment. Here's the reality that hit me so hard in that moment is the beauty of life is simply this, is that uh, the, here's, the, here's what hit me in that moment is the reality of this, is that death is not a period on our life. It's just a comma. It's not the end of the book. It's just the end of that chapter. What does that mean? Uh, maybe you've heard the line before. When you're born, you're crying and everyone's laughing. When you pass, you're laughing and everyone else is crying. In that moment, I sat there and just, it, it, it hit me. The reality of life and death. The reality, this is real. This is so real. This is something that it, it's not just we write in books. It's not just something we write theology and terms about, but it's real because there's real people that we love and we adore and we miss them. We miss them a lot. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is also a promise to say that since Jesus conquered death in the grave, there is a living hope. There is a second chapter. There is a second act. There is another book coming. There's no period here at the end of our story. It's just a comma setting up what is next and what's coming next and what God has for us. Does that make sense? I really hope it does. I really hope you can understand the fact that understanding the benefit of the resurrection is knowing that this life that we live is not the to be all end all. This is just one step as we move forward into eternity. Uh, a great way I can just sum it up is this. Is one of my greatest mentors always says this. He says, Eddie, there once was a time when you never existed, but there will never be a time moving forward when you don't. We are eternal beings who Jesus says, I want to be with you. In Jesus' witness, he says, I want to be with you. And now here on earth, and even death can't stop us because I'm going to be with you even to in eternity. And not just with you, but we're all going to be together. I want to wrap this up. <clears throat> and I don't know what you're doing as you're watching this. I really hope these words uh, hit home and pierce your heart, not because they're my words, because it's the word of God. <clears throat> it's a lot of scripture, I know. But I hope 
however you're watching or listening to this. Hope God starts nudging you. Hope the Holy Spirit starts moving on you and you start asking the question, am I receiving all the benefits of the resurrection? Have I done what it takes to really sit there and understand the reality and the benefits of the resurrection? Am I allowing Jesus just to be with me? And am I allowing Jesus not just to be with me, but to be with others together in life? I hope all of us, whether you've been a Christian 20 years or you're still questioning and wondering or if you're far away from God, I'm here to tell you that Jesus loves you. He's crazy about you. He lived for you. He died for you. He rose for you because he wants to be with you. I'm going to wrap it up with this final verse. It's Romans chapter 10, verse 9. This is another verse that we can tie into the fact that the resurrection has amazing benefits. Romans 10, 9, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The reality of who Jesus is true, but will you believe? Because once you believe, you get all the benefits, you get all the relationships, you get all the refreshing, you get all the power, and it's a promised reunion that this life that we live right now is not the end. It's just the beginning of an amazing story that Jesus, that God our Father, wants to have with us and wants us all to be together. All right, let me pray. If you right now are making the decision to say, hey, I need to get back tapped in. I need to get tapped back in with Jesus. I need to get reconnected. I need to, to zoom back in. I need to, 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 to get with with Jesus and with some other people that love Jesus. I need you to stop what you're doing and I need you to text one of your redeemed church friends or family members and say, I just listened to the message. I need to pray. I need to meet with you. We got to connect. Or if you're not connected to the redeemed, maybe you're connected to, to somewhere else. I need you to call someone who you know loves Jesus, email them, reach out to them, FaceTime them and say, I need to get connected. I want to be with Jesus, and I want to experience the benefits of the resurrection. I need you to do that right now. And I'm going to be praying that God will do such amazing things in you through that reaching out. Believe and confess, and it's going to happen. Let me pray, all right? Father, we thank you so much for this Resurrection Sunday. That the benefits of the resurrection are the fact that you want to be with us Give us real relationship, give us real life, give us real power, give us real refreshing. And it's a promise and it's a living hope that this is not the end. This is just the beginning of what you have promised for us. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I love you. Lord, I am so excited and I'm truly believing in my heart that there are so many people. Matter of fact, I, I, I'm going to speak boldly right now. I believe there's a handful of you right now even as I'm praying, the Lord is piercing your heart and telling you to come home. And we want to invite you to come home. Be restored in relationship with the God in heaven who loves you and he's crazy about you. With Jesus who was raised for you and for us. Father, we thank you for this. We thank you for your life, your death, your resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, you haven't heard me say it in a while. Let me say to you now on this Resurrection Sunday, I love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. God bless. We'll see you next time.